0: hope everyone's doing well and safe Jess how you doing man how you on how you been
1: I'm good thank you for having me what are we talking about though we're
0: gonna get into that man we're gonna get into a bag of things I kind of did you dirty by not telling you on a rather selfish one I've got them in front of me you being American I want to ask you about Matt Turner I want to speak about the Super Bowl I want to ask you about that trusty guy and just general Arsenal, really. And I see a couple questions. So, yeah, really, that's all we're going to do, man. But before we carry on, I mean, I've been plugging your channel. I can't imagine no one knows who you are. Do you want to let them know who you are and what you're about? Mrs. She Knows Arsenal.
1: Yeah, that pretty much says it all. Like, uh channel's called She Knows Arsenal. You guys can follow that on Twitter and obviously on YouTube. Subscribe, all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, just follow and talk about Arsenal. Um, everything from match previews to... Um, rants about what's going on with the club so that's pretty much it you guys that's all i really have to add like i just talk about arsenal from my perspective i'm not an expert or anything like that i'm just a fan like everybody else and i just give my two cents and argue with the chat box that's kind of my vibe so yeah
0: argue with the chat box i actually watched one of your videos and it made me want to ask you something like have arsenal improved
1: yeah we have improved i mean the the show that I did was um, was something that we had kind of done a couple of months back, looking at the statistical data around Arsenal to see kind of where we fit in um, mm. to our contemporaries. And um, we know what it was like when we were playing against like Brighton, Crystal Palace, Burnley. You really had to squint to see whether or not Arsenal had improved or not, because the mm. players were different, but we weren't playing great attacking football. We weren't scoring a lot of goals. It was rough, you know, beyond... Ramsdale and Tomiyasu playing out of their skin it was it was rough but we were getting results now the results and the eye test and the statistical data the underlying metrics all kind of add up to Arsenal being a good team and I know some people really want to push back on that you know all that matters is um, you know where we finish at the end of the season but I think it's important to kind of look at things holistically knowing that the results at the end of the season may not line up to us being the fourth best team in the league. But statistically right now we are the fourth best team in the league and sometimes in certain statistics, third. So I like seeing that stuff. Um, the season's not over, but we have definitely improved, especially when it comes to attacking, um, which is something that Arsenal fans have been complaining about since our has come in. I think we all miss the free flowing, Arson Wenger type, you know, football, Arteta yeah. Ball is not really like that. But at least now we're seeing the goals, we're seeing the shots, we're seeing the sustained pressure. And um, I'm personally enjoying what I'm seeing.
0: You mentioned Arteta Ball. And I was very critical on him. I feel early on, it was quite rigid. It was quite regimented. It was quite predictable. I don't think we're all the way there yet. I don't think we can break down low blocks. But when I look at the goals against Southampton, a couple that Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli score, have scored, and even the goal against City in Saka's case, we are playing some bloody good football and some good moves. So do you think you've seen a change in that? And also kind of with, with the statistics that you mentioned or the, the use of it, is there anything that stood out or took you by surprise that you that might not be seen by the eye in relation to our club?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, I think building from the back has been a big part of us actually being a better attacking side. I, and a lot of times that doesn't really make sense because like, well, how can being defensively solid make you a better attacking team? And mm. we just we suppress the the opposition so much in terms of what they want to do offensively. And we don't really stifle them with like city like possession, but we're trying to dominate more, more area. We're more aggressive on second balls. We suppress their where they can get good shots. And we just kind of control games a lot better. And that comes from, you know, Ramsdale and Ben White in particular, and Tommy Asu's big is a big part of that as well. And, when you just tick up the pitch and see what Arteta has been trying to do, but he hasn't been able to because of the personnel, even look at Xhaka and Thomas party as being a big reason why we can sustain pressure. We just are so much better at shutting down the opposition in terms of what they want to do offensively. And then being so dominant in where we want to be on the pitch and making Mm -hmm. sure we control games that other teams just don't have a chance. And that's really difficult to do in this league. There's, you're always going to give up some opportunities but the ones that we give up are de- like they're fine like we the other team really has no chance and even like wolves we played against them it seemed like they had quite a bit of chances but they really didn't they had like one or two decent chances and we gave no them level goal. chances yeah yeah so i just think like that plus the fact that we're taking more shots and we're sustaining pressure the last kind of puzzle piece to that i think is Making those shots into more um, dangerous shots. We know we have some people on the team that like to take shots, but they're not great shots.
0: Actually, but scoring outside, yeah,
1: yeah. But I would just say, like, the one thing that surprised me is that basically our XG for and against, which is like basically the the XG that we have going forward versus the XG that we have for the opposition, the chances that they get is very close to the output for Liverpool and Man City. Those are the only teams that are in front of us. We do better than Chelsea, Spurs, and Man United in in those metrics. And that's important because that means we're giving up shots that aren't great. You know, teams are not attacking us. They're, they're not really getting any joy. But equally, when we go down to the other end, we're a lot better than them. And that's important. So I think that that's something that stood out to me, that our defensive output is so good that it helps us sustain pressure and it's helping our attack.
0: So what do you say in terms of improvement beyond the obvious then that need to be made?
1: We actually attack through central spaces a lot more than I think people like No, um, We score most of our goals through central attacking presence. And I think that that's a shock because over the last couple of seasons, it seems like we were just kind of attacking from the wings and being ta- able to yeah. attack centrally when most teams want to keep you out of the center, central parts of the pitch, I think speaks a lot to our central midfielders and the dominance that we have, and also La Cazette dropping deep and helping us connect play through the, the center of the pitch. So that was something that I didn't really look at. I was like, oh wow, we really do attack through central spaces. And I just remember like two seasons ago, it was very much tyranny hitting hopes, you know, and we really mm-hmm. weren't tyranny attacking through the on, center yeah. at all. Yeah.
0: What would you say? So then, of course, OK, of course, of course, we've improved in the middle. We can't not talk about the lack of goals. And you kind of mentioned Lacazette. Where are you at with Lacazette? Because as you mentioned, he does a lot of dirty work. He does a lot of things that aren't going to necessarily be part of the highlight reel. Are you with him signing a new contract? And I mean, I've never actually asked you where you stood on the whole Aubameyang thing, which is now over as well.
1: Um, Like, I guess in regards to like, lack of goals i would say that like and this kind of goes with my answer when it comes to like a bombing is that i think even last season we played our best attacking football with lacazette and not with a bombing and since the bombing's been out of the team i think in december we scored like 20 goals that's where the majority of our goals came from and we've been pretty consistent attacking wise since then and mm. so when i when i think of the lack of goals Yeah, most of our goals have came between December and February. So you kind of have to be like, okay, well, we didn't we weren't really a a good attacking team before that. But what coincided with that period of time? A lot of that had to do with Thomas Party and Granite Jacka not being available at the same time and a bombing versus Lacazette. And even though Aubameyang is a superior goal scorer to Lacazette, let's not you know beat around the bush there. Lacazette is very much so a facilitator, and bombing is an elite-level goal scorer. He's doing it at Barcelona. That was never the issue. But the way that we build play and try to create chances for Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, yeah. and Bakayo Saka, who are our strikers now, that's really how we play, it's better for us to have a facilitator through the center of the pitch than Aubameyang, who you need to set up chances for.
0: Needs With on the Aubameyang, plate, yeah.
1: Yeah. And with Aubameyang, it's kind of like most people, maybe not on this channel, but most people know where my stance is really with Aubameyang. It's kind of like he was never really, because I follow Dortmund, he was never really my favorite choice because usually like with Aubameyang.
0: This is is
1: no shade to him really, but like, let's be real. Like there's always like after two years, something happens and he kind of goes out the back door.
0: Oh yeah, there's no, yeah.
1: you know, that's kind of like his style. And I was just wondering, like, when that would happen. Um, I have to find the tweet because this was when I first got on Twitter, but I was a part of the like silent minority that didn't even want to resign him because I was like, mm, not sure about this, you know. And so we resigned him and it didn't go well. Let's just say, like, all in all, we could probably say it was a fail. And I don't think it was just his his doing you have to play to his strengths. And if you're not going to do that, what's the point of resigning him anyway? And Arteta really Mm. moved away from him like last season. And it's just been kind of, it just went from there and he just wasn't as effective. But I think just the aspect of him, like not being a great captain and not following the rules and all this stuff going on around him. I think it was best to just part ways and both. Yeah, both, both. It seems like both sides are happy, so I'm happy for him that he's in the place that he really wants to be. But equally, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I'm just happy that we did the right thing for us for once. And hopefully we just steer clear of those type of situations in the in the future. But yeah, Ba-Ming, um, I just think it, he didn't fit the system as it currently stands now, and Lacazette's a better fit. That being said, if Lacazette doesn't score goals, like we don't need him to score a lot. But he definitely needs to score more than what he's been scoring now. He's a striker. He He has
0: to score goals. You're right, man.
1: Yeah, like four goals this season or something like that. It's
0: nothing nothing too spectacular. Yeah. And
1: if he doesn't play well, we're not going to make the top four. So there's a lot of pressure on him. But so far, I think so far, so okay. You know, doing the job that he's supposed to, working hard,
0: but he definitely needs to add some more goals. Obviously, as, to go back to January, was you disappointed not to have a striker in? Because, again, I agree with everything you said about Abamian. but a byproduct is if something happens to Lacazette or Eddie Nketio is not prolific, we're in trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I was disappointed because I just felt like, well, before the season started, if you would have been like, oh, yeah, we're going to be fighting for top four, I would have laughed in your face. I would have been like, you're smoking. Actually. Like, come on. You know, but now that we're so close and we played so well now, like, to the point where a lot of people feel like we're favorites. Um, I was a little bit disappointed not to get the striker over the line because I just feel like when we look back on it, if we don't make top four, I think it'll be because we don't have enough goals in the team and the young players just weren't able to, to sustain that level of consistency, which you wouldn't expect them to They're kids. Right? So I think with that, I was a little bit disappointed, but it's not like we didn't go after a striker. We did. We just didn't get him. And then what were the other options, right? Like, the other options being kind of spoken about, I don't think now that we look back on it with fresh eyes, like, are we really that upset that we didn't get Alexander Izak? You know, are we upset that we didn't get Murata on a six-month loan? or You know what I mean? Because those players don't really – they don't really – feel like the right options right now. So I get why the club did it. But ultimately, if we miss out on top four, it might be because we didn't have a goal scorer, And that'll open up more questions around was it the right thing to do to get rid of a bombing at at that point in the season.
0: You mentioned, obviously, we didn't get Isaac. I don't think anyone wanted to pay the excessive fee or no one really just wanted Maratta. But I do think when you remove your emotion and you look at the body and what they could add, they could have added something. Where do you look at Edu then? Because I think, obviously, if Arteta's career hen- at 10 better yet ended tomorrow, at least he's won an FA Cup. He's changed the mentality. He's done one, two bits and pieces. Obviously, I have to give Edu some credit, but it's like you'd be kind of scratching your head. So, where are you at with our technical director? Because you mentioned January. As much as I agree with not bringing people in, that's where he earns his money. He needs to get something. You don't get points for trying. Surely something needs to happen.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like, um, here's a, like my, my issue with this is like, I feel like with, with KSE in particular, they're their reach or their knowledge of what's good and bad in, in football is like very small. And so their Mm. circle that they can pull from is really limited to past Arsenal players. That's what it kind of feels like to me. And so they think, okay, well he used to play for Arsenal. So he knows what Arsenal is about. We can trust him. Mm. Adu's track record doesn't really speak to that level of like, he was a great D.O.F. and yeah, it's it's very like, what are his connections? You know, that's the most important thing for me with the D.O.F. is who's your circle of influence? Who who's who is in your circle that we can pull from that we can take advantage of? Like if you look at Wolves, like they should you never
0: in the phone book. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, they sh- they shouldn't even be able to have half of the players that they got. Really, let's keep it real. Like, but because they have George Mendes in their pocket, they can kind of get away happen. with that. We don't have, like, what is Adu's circle of influence? Who does he have a monopoly over in terms of, like, a market? He doesn't. And they so... He not even have it, it in his homeland. Yeah, he doesn't. And I mean, it just speaks volumes that, like, since he's been in charge, I know they want to give him credit for Martinelli, but it really wasn't him. It was not Francis Like, yeah. And so, what, Willian? Is that it? Is that is what i William, Cedric. Yeah, and then know, we were trying wanted, to bring in our yeah. tour as well. So he wanted Emerson we we, Yeah, he's limited. And if Arteta hadn't, like, stepped in in certain instances, we would have Neto from Barcelona and Emerson Royale instead of Tomiyasu.
0: We wouldn't have and, them uh, right.
1: And Ramsdale. Exactly. So it's it's a little bit of a an issue. I do think when it comes down to it, like, the more culpable individual in terms of our recruitment and the disappointment that we've had maybe since Arteta has been here. has been mostly Adu for me. I don't um, think it's Arteta. I think Arteta's talent idea is great. But Adu, like, he's very much a cutting corners type of dude. Like, okay, well, I know this guy. Let's look at your Rolodex and see what we can get. Instead of, he doesn't have any creativity. Like, he's very one-note. Not versatile so, at all. Yeah, I would like to see somebody else there. I think we could do a lot better. And I, I worry about this coming transfer window because it's a big one. And if he fails, we fail, you know. So um, I love Edu for obviously being an invincible. Let's not talk about how Gilberto just kind of stomped on his head and took his spot, you know. But um, yeah, if if I could have somebody else, I would.
0: Do you think then it's becoming obsolete with his role, surely? Because I know we're doing this whole, similar to the team, we've got young individuals, but it just feels like, rightly so, we're betting on Arteta, he's getting a new deal, everything's happening. You don't really kind of hear that with Edu, and it feels like if push comes to shove, surely you could get a more experienced guy, so that if we have January's, someone can make something happen and pull a rabbit out the hat, as we've seen previously at this club.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm hoping that they're looking to make a make a change um, before it becomes obvious. I feel like once it becomes obvious that you need to make a change, it's too late. Yeah. And so yeah. with him, it's like, I'm hoping that they're evaluating him and trying to figure out where we can have some marginal gains. Adu has been okay. Like let's that the last transfer window, the, su- the summer window was good because he was operating within a, a price range and an age range yeah, clear where limit, it's easy yeah. to convince yeah it's easy to say oh yeah tommy Yasso, you want to leave bologna to come to arsenal cool oh odegaard you want to leave real madrid you know you're not really playing games cool like it's easy to do that but this next window is going to be much more difficult especially mm-hmm. if we don't make it into champions league so i would hope that they make a choice sooner rather than later there has to be there's there's dofs out there that are just chilling they're like oh we, i don't have a job right now do you want to have me and like newsflash i look at our our kind of our contemporaries around us and tottenham are in the mud but manchester united have ralph raniak they're gonna get it together at some point they're gonna hire a good manager ralph raniak's gonna 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 clean clean it up exactly and we're gonna be sitting here with adu like okay cool like it's not good enough so yeah it it does worry me i i do think we need a change i mean it sounds so bad
0: no, nah, you, you're right, man. Like you kind of said, I do think it's a big summer. What would you say are the hardest things? Because for me, I know we need a striker and whether we're able to get that calibre is a different thing. I think we need a midfielder. But for me, it's the outgoings, you know. Maitland now, it doesn't look like Roma's going to have him. There's a lot of 2023 contracts. There's 2024 deals. So that surely affects what we can do, whether we get Champions League or not. So are you saying is looking like the hardest thing to do in the summer or the bit that worries you the most or where you need to see him earn his chops the biggest?
1: Um... Well, I think selling players, not just outgoings. He's done a lot of tearing up contracts and things (laughs) like that. And it's like, but are you going to sell some players or like, no, like with Ainsley, there's no point in keeping him around. He wants to play day in and day out and he's not going to do that at Arsenal. Can you get somebody to buy him for 10 to 12 million? Can you, you know, that, that should be well within his, his range, if not get a little bit more. I mean, we got 25 for Willick. I know that he had a like a very good loan. Yeah, but Anzy Meet could be valuable to somebody. So I would like to see him sell some players, but ultimately with the group that we have, because everything's been slimmed down so much, there's just players that are like kind of running deals down. Like El Nenny should go. He'll be on a free. It's kind yeah. of like okay. Um another, I guess another thing that kind of worries me is just um, getting Saliba and Bakayo Saka on new deals. Um, I think that, that's, that. it really. Martinelli
0: important. as well, well, contract to 2024. Yeah, yeah.
1: Martinelli as well. And um, I worry about um, Saliba in particular um, because he's so good. And like, nobody really questioned whether he was good or not. We all knew he was going to be this player. But how do you convince him to fight for a spot with two centre-backs that are, kind of doing the business right now how do you re-sign him how do you get him to to commit when we know big clubs are going to come in for him that could probably offer him a starting position I think the only way you do that is with European competition and giving him more money and are Arsenal going to give him more money if he hasn't even played a game for Arsenal you know his first team so I think that's where Adu's going to really have to like earn his money is getting these kids on new contracts. Don't think he'll struggle with Saka. Don't think he'll struggle with Martinelli. Saliba worries me. And then the central midfielder. Um, more than the striker, I think the central midfielder changes so everything. Happy. I'm
0: so happy you went in this route, but I cut you off. Go on. I'm so happy. Yeah, I
1: mean, people are... I, I get the striker situation. I do. But I don't even think we need a striker that's going to score... 20 to 30 goals a season. I don't think we need that. I think we need somebody that's younger and better than Lacazette. And that's a very low bar. I have to be honest. Like, it's so happy
0: you said that. Yeah,
1: it's it's a lower bar. But I know people are not going to like hearing this but replacing Granit Xhaka is not as easy as, easy as it looks. Um
0: it's not. It's not, he's and not are a bum. Look at you that like you're crazy. Yeah, people are going to yeah. look at you like you're crazy because Granit is one where I call them Xhaka sexuals. You've got people that will defend anything he does and then you've got critics. I see the fact that Arteta wants the team to run through him but and I stand proven wrong. I don't know anything. He's got the away for B qualifications until he gets a sentiment that he's actually said an upgrade on Xhaka. I think we only get to a certain point. You mentioned playing out on the back. We can all see the final thirds improving, but it's the middle third. And I don't know about you, but when I look at Arsenal's midfield, we're very hot and cold. And when I look at us compared to other teams, I don't know what we're about. We're not defensive. We're not expansive. We're not tigerish. It's, we're going through the motions. And there's been times Xhaka has looked bad. Xhaka has looked good. Xhaka looked good with Partey. He's looked good by himself. The same goes for Partey. And I think when you've got these mixed mixed performances and ultimately mixed results, you can't be surprised with when, when the league starts in August and May. We're saying different things. So... Yeah, I think midfields are arguably more important than a striker. You look at—I know City's the worst of examples, but they can function without a forward. You know, you're meant to have start. You build a house from the foundations up. You don't start with the roof. And I think that's where we're at. And are we even able to find a 20 league goal man for certainty? I
1: don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's um. I think the midfielders, like you could find a really good one. Like there's more options with striker. The striker market is so bad right now that you kind of just have to pick for what's from what's there. Once Blahovic was gone, we're just kind of picking through the rest. But when it comes to midfielders, it's it's interesting because personally, I do think that Arteta is moving to um, a lone DM with two more advanced midfielders. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know people are like fourth and this- three, but – I think it's whoever's going to be playing as that left eight needs to be able to drop in and help Thomas party um, play in that sixth role. So I don't see like another Odegaard on the other side. I don't see a Millsmith Smith road dropping into the eight position and we just flying up the pitch. I think you need somebody with a little bit more um, somebody that's a little bit more sturdy. And so I'm looking right. at like Fabian Ruiz as somebody that I think would be a good pickup because he would cost very very little, like for, for a player time, of yeah. his caliber, he'd be like damn near free 16, 16 million, million or something. 2023. Exactly. Go take it Yeah. Launch. And he's an upgrade on Granite Shaka, technically and mobility wise. He's definitely not fast, but I don't think you need somebody who's like lightning quick to play in your midfield, really. Um, Newsflash, Ruben Neves is not good enough. I don't know if...
0: Really? He, you reckon? Let, let me hear them reasons. Let me hear them reasons. He's not
1: good enough. I mean, if you don't oh, like right. that Granit Xhaka was getting bypassed in midfield, he got bypassed by our midfield five times fair in up, one match.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. That's a bit so, how I feel about Telemans. Even though I would yeah, not
1: exactly. And so when I look at it, I'm just like, I think we could do better. Ruben Neves is a good player. But then I also am like, I think Telemans and Ruben Neves are where they are because that's kind of their level. I'm not sure that like an elite team would really go after them, but Fabian Ruiz to me is a little bit more cultured. He has a little bit more about him. He definitely gives you the goals. He scores very nice goals. Like, and he has it in his locker. Very cultured
0: individual, man.
1: Yeah. I would look at somebody like, like that, not really like another eight, 10, somebody that can play like a six, eight, somebody like that. But um, can Adu get somebody like that? Like, what is his, abilities like. like That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know what his abilities are like, but that's what I would look at. I think the midfield changes the trajectory of what we're trying to do. That being said, we also mm-hmm. need another midfielder. We need more than one, because you're going to lose how many. Hmm?
0: I say we need two. I would like two, yeah. eighties, really. And obviously, I would say a six, but Lakonga's there to grow into grow into that. The people are saying, then Conku I think we should have done that when Emre wanted to. Yeah, really. it's too late for that. Yeah, I think yeah, this man. ship
1: is kind of sailed with that's that. But... He's excellent. Like, he's going to cost you 60 to 80 million, but I think it's worth it. It's but uh, do you think that there's Buddhist League attacks with him a little bit? I mean, similar to kind of Sancho at the beginning, Havertz, Timo Not Werner. True. I mean,
0: yeah naturally there's, there's Bundesliga tax there's Arsenal tax there's adapting tax of course 100% but as but I, I would also say I think there's a coincidence why last season our signings are doing better and other yeah. teams like you look at Liverpool you would think all of them Liverpool players have been there for 10 years because they're going into a system I think Arsenal's problem when you look at Pepe who I'm going to ask you on in a sec and Partey we just like we just sign a player and say you know what you had a standout year, you're good come here and work it out and it doesn't work like that I think concrete yeah. would do that I still don't know what he actually is because he can play as an 8 he can play as a 10 and then defining in that lad but 100% there's a Bundesliga tax really and truly what have you made of Pepe because we did we, me and you waffled a bit about Martinelli Saka and all them 2024s he's 2024 it looks like is reintegrating him personally I think we've seen this movie two years ago and we're going to see it for a third time but where are you at with that and Pepe
1: Um, I mean to put it Bluntly, I think that we're fattening, up, fattening him up for sale. I think that we're kind of saying the right things so that he looks like somebody like attractive to buy.
0: Mm. Um,
1: but I think Pepe is just somebody that just doesn't fit what we're trying to do on a daily basis. And he's what, 27 or something?
0: 20, 27, 27, yeah. Yes. And and 27. Is.
1: Doesn't he want to start games now? Like, doesn't he want to be the man? Um, so I think... When I look at Pepe, I just think you know he's somebody that I wish didn't have that price tag hanging over his his shoulder all mm-hmm. the time because I think that that crushed him. But equally, I wish he had come into a system that would have supported him and we could have played in a way that we could have gotten something out of him. Now, what we've gotten out of him is what you would expect from a player that you paid thirty to forty million for, which he should is, have been
0: spent, spent on. That's what he yeah, should be worth. What a
1: that's what he would have cost. It's just the price was too high. So I think we'll fatten him up for sale. I think he will go in the summer. I don't think anybody will buy him. I think we'll loan him. You know, Yeah, we'll, yeah I think we'll end up having to loan him because the teams that are going to want him are going to be in France and probably Italy, and Fair they enough. don't really like to pay. So I think we'd have to loan him out, but that would open up a spot for another attacker, which I think we'll get more than one. I think we'll get the striker and somebody else. No, I want that. So- Yeah. And I I like Pepe. I think he's such a talented player, but it just hasn't worked out. And he just never really adapted to the Premier League just being so brutal and him having to really adapt his game. And so it just hasn't worked out. But there's no like there's no like um, animosity or anything because it's not his fault that we spent that amount
0: of money on him. Right. You're right. You got a couple of questions. Jess, would you take a punt on our? Oh, I haven't seen that name in a minute.
1: It's such a blast from the past, that one. We were just talking about him um on the show yesterday. Um there's there's a reason why nobody has come in and got him, right? Because he's been relatively cheap for two seasons now. You could Last have gotten him for well. 30 million. Yeah. And he's running down his deal as well. He's falling down the pecking order at Lyon. Like they have a plethora of central midfielders and It kind of seems like his time to go for big money has kind of went past him now. He's he's such a quality player that as the second midfielder to come in, I'd take a punt on it. If they if it was like twenty five million or something, I would. You know, Um, he also changed agencies as well, which I think was something he needed to do. Mm. Yeah, there's something that there you know with that so I would take a punt as the second midfielder that needs to come in another number eight that can do something different I still think I do believe in his quality I just um it just didn't work out that one time
0: I'm still taking him and you've also been asked thoughts on Douglas Louise of Aston Villa
1: it's weird because it feels like they want to get rid of him um they mm. were linked very heavily with Ben Tancor in the January transfer window and they're also now linked with Bubakar Kamara who is a nailed on number six? That's a so, decent six,
0: that's and a half, yeah, man. That's yeah. Amazing.
1: So I, I'm kind of like, so do we really want to take Aston Villa's leftovers? Well, they improved their squad with a new striker and a new central midfielder. Why would we take Douglas Louise slash Oli Watkins, which is another name that's oh, like, well, Arsenal, so cool. you want him? Come on. I'm and so honest. I think you leave them with their their mediocre players and we go get the better players. I would not take Douglas Luiz at this point. Um, I don't see the reason for it. I really don't. I can't I see mean,
0: it. I'll take him because I like him, and there's a Brazilian bias, and plus Arteta's worked with him, but I understand you. I thought. have a
1: Brazilian bias, and I wouldn't take him. That's <laughs> how like little I, I rate I him. I mean, his Brazilian
0: like, bias isn't biasing enough. What would you make of Pesuma? Just because he's someone that's always linked with us, and he's got the same contract, keeping up the theme with that.
1: Um, Personal personal stuff aside that we don't know anything yeah, about.
0: Yeah, obviously, um,
1: yeah. Let's say that's not happening and we're just talking about the player. Um, he is somebody that I feel like I would still take. Um, I think that outside of the top three, four teams in the league, he's with Declan Rice. Like Declan Rice is the best and then the next person mm. underneath him in terms of central defensive midfielders, players that can play in a double pivot, it's Basuma. And he's definitely ready for a step up. Um, I would hate for him to end up at Spurs. Um, That would be terrible. But he will go somewhere. Yeah, or Villa. So he will end up going somewhere. And I think if you wanted to be able to play with Thomas Party alone by himself or give him a double pivot to play with or play without Thomas Party, you bring in a Basuma. That's
0: what I think. That makes sense. I wanted to ask you as well what is your thoughts on, obviously, as an American, you're the perfect person to ask. What's your thoughts on KSC? I know you mentioned it earlier, but, yeah, what's your thoughts on them over in Stateside? What do you make of, you know, seeing the Super Bowl being won by the club he owns? And then, obviously, yeah. direct parallel, you're, a, you're an Arsenal fan. So, where does it put you kind of seeing it firsthand?
1: Yeah. I mean, that is Stan's um, priority. You know, um, he will do whatever he needs to do to make sure that the Rams are successful, you know. So, when you look at that, you kind of are like, okay, Arsenal is like a redheaded stepchild. Like it we really are kind of like on the back burner there. Right. We are a part of the investment portfolio and that's it. An um yeah, my house is like 5 minute walk from Sofi Stadium. The Emirates looks like um uh, I don't know, like a doghouse compared to it. Like it's really wow. just miraculous like it's so nice like i've never seen anything so nice in my whole life and it's just weird being so close to it and then going to the emirates and being like
0: what's going on here yeah
1: yeah it's like this isn't the same vibe like i'm not getting the same energy but in regards to like where we are now with with the Cronkies, i think we're in um don't tell me show me kind of thing right now you know so josh can say whatever he wants to say and what he's saying sounds really good. Um, and he did that. He did an interview. Um, I forget what the podcast is called, but he did That's one cool. of those podcasts or whatever. And he was talking about like um, what his vision was for Arsenal and how he wants to implement a North American theme to what we're doing. So instead of d- the draft system and develop, it's more of use our Academy and develop and create stars and all that. That's always been a part of Arsenal's DNA anyway, but Going back to it makes a lot of sense. But what happens when we get so far with our academy kids? What do we do after that? You know, are you yeah, going to invest? Yeah. Yeah, are you going to invest and get us an Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, that's what they did in order to win the Super Bowl. They got as far as they could, and then they brought in stars to make sure that they got it over the line. So I think that's what I'm looking for is regardless to where we finish this the season, whether we finish fifth or sixth or fourth, we need to have a Champions League level transfer window. We just have to, like, that's, that's our only hope. And so he can, they can say whatever they want to. I'm sure they have the, they have their best interest at heart, which is for Arsenal to be successful, but how successful are they willing? How, how far are they willing to go to make us successful? You know, is top four good enough? We know how they were like, like when we were getting top four before,
0: no, they, they wouldn't were cool. invest. They didn't yeah, even try to push out the ball with sponsorships. It's only in the recent couple of years we're tearing up deals and pour, and pouring them out and whatnot. Yeah. Right.
1: So that's kind of where I am with KSC. It's I'm willing to give Josh not a clean slate, but the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I need to see it. And this tra- this next transfer window is gonna show me a lot. You know, whether we it doesn't matter where we finish, we need to finish the project. We need a striker, a midfielder. And some other things and you need to renew Saka, you need to give him the money, you need to pay Martinelli, you need to pay Saliba, you need to make sure that we don't lose our best players like it's just that simple but we'll see what they're about.
0: You're right, man. And I don't want to, I still think the jury's out, but in their defense, we, you know, they did kind of splash the cash last season in, in the summer, but this season where we've kind of spent a hundred odd million in the summer, they have given Arteta our a our shitload to spend, whether it's happened or not. They have sanctioned the Bamian signing the new deal. And then obviously in what sort ripped it up from a business point of view, Yeah, it probably is a bit shaky. I meant to ask, obviously as an American now, as a non-American, I saw Josh Kroenke makes some comments along the lines of it's hard to feel passionate and things. Now, without being condescending for Americans, I got it because in the same way that we've got NFL developing over here in football, I'm not saying British people can't be successful, but it's not ingrained in our society. So we're not going to live or breathe that to degree. Maybe it's the same with you lot over there. So as an American football fan or soccer, um, how did you feel about Josh Kroenke's comments around, you know, it's hard to replicate that sort of thing? Because a lot, a lot of people got on to him about it.
1: I mean, I don't know. I feel like it It would be difficult for some sports fans to become really passionate about something that they don't connect to at all. You know, the, the difference between soccer and football is the cultural connection between the fans and the club. Like, that's right. the difference. And it's there's nothing like it in America. You can't replicate it. It doesn't exist in American sport. There is no connection to like the club being built by the fans Mm. like that's literally what it's been like you know so it's kind of like um I kind of understand that and I I would never expect him to be passionate about Arsenal to that extent because there's I just don't see him having that um can he be more interested in it to them to actually understand the game and and know what he needs to do to make it successful yeah but for me like the reason why I love football and I love Arsenal is because of the connection and the community aspect and knowing that the club is like literally ingrained to like the fans that helped built it over mm. the years. Like, you know what I mean? And I just don't feel it like that in America. Like it's very much like, um, entertainment, you know, it's very much entertainment. You can turn it off and turn it on whenever you want. Um, your team loses a game and you go about your, your life. Um, That's when Arsenal lose, my week is done. Yeah, like, everything's done you
0: know, until we play and win again, 100%. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that's the difference between sport and entertainment. So I understand what he's saying, and I know people don't want to hear it, but in America, it's it would be difficult to become really passionate about something you just don't understand or have a connection to at all. In general, and, it would be. Yeah, and you have, to, you have to actually go to a game, go to the pubs, communicate with fans that have been going to games, for years and years and years to even begin to understand it you probably right. would never it would never be something that you can just immerse uh, yourself no. into naturally right. like I'm American you right. know but I now I understand it more and it makes me love the club more and it makes me less interested in American sports because I just don't feel that you know so I'm not too upset by what he said because he's just how speaking is, facts
0: really how is Cronké viewed in America because he's almost like, I don't want to I want to be very respectful but some he's either he, he's to some fans, he probably is the devil. He's seen in some, like, the green.
1: Yeah, for for a while, like, um, well, his, his franchises really weren't doing well, you know? So there was, like, a period of time where the franchises really weren't doing well, and it was just, he was just a mediocre sports, you know, um, mediocre owner. Yeah. Like, you know, he was just in the middle. Like, he just wasn't great. But obviously he wanted to put more effort into the Rams. And I think a lot of that came from the scrutiny um, and really just like the shame of taking the LA Rams from St. Louis and moving it over here. You know, that was a big thing for the Cronkies and it's still kind of, I wouldn't say it tars their name or anything like that, but it's definitely something hanging over them. Um, They still owe money from that and then they're not paying it. So I think all in all the Cronkies are, not really like, oh, my gosh, they're amazing owners. I love them. It's very much so like this is their business. They'll do whatever they have to do to, to make sure it's successful for them. And um, he cares about the Rams, and that's about it. Um, but Josh, the franchises that he's taking more ownership over are starting to do better because he cares more. You know, So I focus more on Josh than I do Stan because I know what Stan's about.
0: You said it there. You said it there. Getting back to the football First thing I was meant to ask you: Can Arsenal make top four? What is your thoughts on us in relation to top four? As you said, it would have been you would have been, people would have looked at you crazy in August if anyone said this, but here we are.
1: Um, I think we can make it.
0: Um, gives you confidence.
1: The teams that should be up there playing poorly—that's one of them. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like. Manchester United and Spurs playing badly doesn't give us a better chance. But I think we're consistent against the teams that we need to be beating. And um, I know that we still have some ways to go when it comes to competing and, and getting points against the top teams, the teams that are above us, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City. But we really just need to beat who's around us and who's below us. And we're doing a really good job doing that. And that's what, over the last, you know, 12 or so months has given us the point totals that equal something similar to the teams that we want to be like. Um, so I think we we have a, a really, really solid chance um, beyond all the statistics coming out and all the media talking about it. When I look at our team, I see a team that could probably push for it. We're going to go through some weird period. I already know. I don't know when it's coming.
0: Yeah. We ain't going to win every last game. Yeah. It's,
1: It's coming. Like, I thought it was going to be the Wolves match, but it wasn't. So we'll see what happens. Like, I could easily see us drawing to Watford and everybody falling apart. Like, you know, I could see it. But I think we have a really good chance and we kind of have to do it now. You know, um, if we don't do it now, I don't know if the opportunity will still be there next season, because I just have this weird feeling that Man United is going to get their lives together and that'll be it. So we kind of need to do it now if we're going to do it. But we have a really good chance.
0: If we don't do it, would you consider it a failure?
1: No, I, I wouldn't consider it a failure. Like I think um it depends on how far off we are. You know, if we finish fifth or sixth and it's within a point or two, can I consider it a failure? No, especially because I didn't think we'd be anywhere near it, you know. Um, would I be disappointed? Yeah. Like I think I would feel like we missed out on a really good opportunity because um, the teams around us were playing like crap and we were playing well. So what happened? You know, so I would be disappointed, but is it a failure? No. Now if we finish seventh or eighth or we finish sixth, but we're like six points away, yeah, I'm mad then because we didn't keep up pace. We weren't really putting pressure on. And ultimately that's the most important thing is for me to see that we're competing. You know, we're
0: close, we're there and thereabouts, you know. So yeah, it wouldn't be a failure
1: to me. I mean, would it be a failure
0: to you at this point? I mean, like you said, you you took the words out of my mouth, really and truly. We weren't targeting this in August. I would kind of consider it, considering the position we felt we found ourselves in and everything that's going, I would call it a failure because when Leicester won the league, I highly doubt in August they were talking about the league. A position found itself yeah. and then they went and did it. So It won't be the end of the world, but it'd be a bitter pill to swallow. And for me, obviously, if we're going to be this team that's fighting for top four and beyond and doing all these things, then in make or break moments, we're going to need to get over the line. It's all fun and games doing it in November and that. We need to be able to do it. So I'd I'd definitely call it a failure. I really would. That brings me to another question. Where are you at with the talk of Arteta signing the new deal? And are you for it? Are you against it? Are you in wait and see mode? Where are you at with that?
1: I have to be honest. I think that this is so blown out of proportion. I just feel like re-signing a a manager, giving them an extension is kind of like, it's nothing like doing it with a player, you know? So you can still sack him whenever you want, you know, but I get the aspect of like, he should be getting a new contract because he's done something good, Mm. you know, or he's achieved something. And some people don't feel like he's done anything to deserve a new, a new deal, but I guess for me it's more like this is just what you do when when your manager gets into the last two years of his contract or whatever, you give them an extension if you're happy with what they're doing or you're happy for them to continue on. And right. by everything that we've heard, KSC are happy with what he's doing. You know, they feel like he's the right man for the job. So, but if he'd finish, you know, if next season you know, we finish outside of the top four and we've spent 200 million again and we just fail, you can still sack him. You can still sack him. You're not tied into it for the the foreseeable future. So um, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal to me. I don't think we're getting rid of Arteta anytime soon. And um, I just hope that he continues to get better because personally for me, um, I think he's improved quite a bit this season with the way that he manages games and and stuff like that. So I give him a lot of credit. He still has to get it over the line and make sure we are in the European places. But I don't think it's, for me, it's not that deep because if he fails, we could still sack him. We're not tied in, you know, Mm.
0: you know. You're right. I just feel with Arteta, like everything, I feel there's a lot of cliques and clans and just damn right agendas. A lot of people just want to win or lose just based on Arteta's failings. I do feel on one hand, I don't really want to praise someone for righting their wrongs because you should be doing that anyways. But as you said, we're playing the same team. You spent 150 million. We're seeing why you did. I wouldn't say we're playing attractive football, but I'm seeing building blocks, things that I couldn't see. So if I'm going to give you the criticisms, I'm going to give you the praise. I do think with Arteta, the bar's a bit on the floor, like some of our players. We praise him for what a manager should be doing anyways. And I think one thing I don't like is that when we win, it's all the gaffer. When we lose, there's no question marks on him. Um, again, I wanted, I wanted to ask you kind of my couple final questions. Who what what have you actually made specifically of our summer signings? Like who did you who do you think done the best? Who wasn't you really if you wasn't happy and anyone who's exceeded expectations? Where are you at with them?
1: Um, let's see. Well, I think Odegaard is the most improved because we've seen him last season and there was like um, a little bit of like an underlying like. Is he actually good enough? Did he really do anything during he his long hundred? Yeah, it was very much so like we like him, but not sure so, but over the last two, three months, he's been phenomenal now, is he perfect? No, um, in order to really be a midfielder for Arsenal and to be like that guy, he's gonna have to make he's gonna have to score at least ten goals a season. I think he needs to really get goals like it's it's very like okay this is nice but you need to shoot but he's most improved to me and he's been so mature and so the anti um ozil you know in in that way where he can do the pretty passing and all that but he works so hard he runs harder than anybody and yes that's a bare minimum requirement we know that it's not something that you should be like yeah you ran but I don't even think it's just like the bare minimum that he's doing. I think he goes above and beyond to really work for the team. And I haven't seen that in such a long time from a player that a lot of people would say is a luxury, a number 10, a flair guy. So for me, Odegaard has been um, a revelation. Um, I think he's going to be really special for us. Um, I wish he was a little bit faster, but other than that, like you can't have everything right in a player sometimes, um, and for thirty million, he was a steal. And um, I would say Ramsdale's been great, but I never really had like a huge issue with that. I, I thought people were overreacting Same. with with Ramsdale. I was just oh, like that was come what on, it like, got it as
0: well, to be fair. Yeah.
1: Me. Um, for me, it's ben, ben White. White? Yeah,
0: oh, it's it's, so it's Ben is. White.
1: Yeah, I think because um, he was getting it from like the rival fans and all of that. Like there were so many things going around about so-and-so and -and and you spent 50 million on this guy and he's a bum. That guy is, is so good. And um, he definitely was a perfect David Louise replacement, um, which we needed, but he's so much better um, in terms of just being smarter. You know, I think he's just a smarter player. He doesn't have that reputation about him. He's slick. He's good on the ball He's confident. He's a calming presence. He's perfect with Gabrielle, And he gets better and better and better. And I like that he had kind of like a really bad moment against Brentford. And he's been able to kind of overcome that. And everything that we do that's good comes from Ben White, the midfield two, and Odegaard. Those are our guys. If they're not playing well, we're not playing well. So, and so I really like... um the young guys, yeah. Yeah, I really like Ben White a lot. Um, he's very – he's he surpassed my expectations very right. much.
0: So. Who would you say is your – who would you say out of the players that were here he's improved over the last – because really came into his own? I actually have to give Cedric some credit because I don't rate right. him. I never have rated him. I never will. But these three games, he's been elite, man.
1: Um, I would say – I mean, we always talk about the kids, and I think that they just get better because they're just getting better as, you know, it just is what it is. Um, I would say just because he started off so poorly this season is probably Thomas Party. Um, I'm a mm-hmm. huge Thomas Party fan. Everybody knows it. And when he doesn't play well, I feel like my DMs are his DMs because I get abused because he doesn't play well. Because oh, people know, crowd, like – <laughs> I, I rep this right. guy so hard. Like, it's very difficult for me to say that he's not playing well. Trust I mean, me. I, I, I think the fan base, sometimes we get big players with – come with big price tags and we expect them to save us, right?
0: And but, do everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, right. they, without anybody else around. Like, I hear things like, well, he, he needs good players around him to do well. Who doesn't? Like, who doesn't need better players around them to do well? Like, what are we right. talking about here? And so when I look at Thomas, like – I just think, okay, well, he knew that he wasn't playing well. There was a period of time when Jacka went out with injury, and we were playing with Lakonga and um, El Nenny, where mm. he was hiding, like, and it was pissing me off because it was very difficult to watch him play like that because he's such a he's so Shadow much better than that, right? right? Yeah, and I was like, his his confidence is gone. But ever since like the Southampton game, which came right after the Everton game, where he was just He was getting killed on socials. He's been good ever since then. You know, when he plays well, when he – yeah, when he plays, we win. Like, period. Like, that's just how it is. And when he plays well and he's playing out of position – Per se, like he is playing as a lone DM, which a lot of people don't feel like he could do, and he's doing it very well. And he actually did it against Man City as well. Like I don't know if people realize he's playing by himself in that midfield. And so against Rodri as
0: well, he doesn't get credit for. I was watching a game again last night; he done very well again.
1: Yeah, and so I just think we, of course, we expect it because he he came in and he was fifty million dollars, and he was this guy, and and he was supposed to come in and change everything. But I think going from Atletico Madrid to Arsenal is a very different pressurized situation. And he never really adapted Mm -hmm. and he got injured a lot and the midfield that he was playing with wasn't very good, you know? So I I give him a lot of praise for that. And I think um, if we could give him another midfielder to play with and a striker in front, I think he could help us really sustain top four for a couple more years. And the last thing I want to say for Thomas party is um. I see that there's this almost like desperation to replace him now because he's 29. Players, good players, go into their prime at 29. Like, I'm a
0: three, four years, man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't get that, and I'm like, just because Lacazette started breaking down at 26 doesn't mean we need to start getting rid of Thomas Party. I think he becomes somewhat of a Fernandinho for us. I do think we'll future-proof and manage him as time goes on, but the guy is just, yeah, like I just think he's our one of our best players, like. Full stop.
0: Just let him cook. Like relax. You said it there. There's nothing else to say from that. Uh, last question would be, in fact, second from last question. I missed the big South question. He mentioned. Uh, Summarising is he said, how long do you think we hold on to Smith, Mo- Smith, Rowe, Martinelli, and Saka, provided we don't improve and all of the rest of it.
1: Oh, if we don't improve. Yeah. Um. Next season and then they'll start getting picked off. Yeah, I do. Because you have to look at what's happening around us as well. Like, um, Liverpool are going through a shakeup, you know, in their front line, and Mane will most likely go. We don't know. They need to pay Mohamed Salah, but if Given they don't, check, yeah, they're going to start looking at Martinelli and Bakayo Saka. Like it's no coincidence that Klopp continues to talk about them. Um, and that just yeah. shows how good that they they actually are and what they can become. So I do think we have next season and potentially one more, but I don't think we have much longer if we don't get into Champions League. I have to be honest. I think Smith Rowe would stay a little bit longer. Um, I think Martinelli. I think the first one to go might be Bikai Saka. If we if we don't do if we don't. You do reckon? I'm
0: just about to ask you out of them three, who would you who would be the first to go? Because I reckon Martinelli just because of the fact that. You know, he's come to love Arsenal. He didn't grow up here. He's not from here. He didn't come from the academy. He's come to love it. And, you know, right now they're all three young lads. So they're, they're very naive. So you have to take with a pinch of salt when they say they love the club. It's easy to love the club, giving you a platform as you're developing. When you're yeah. in your mid-20s, it's different. So I would have said, Martin, Ellie, to be fair with you, what's one that you'd have to, if, if you could keep? You could only keep one of the three. He stays for life. Which one would it be out of all of
1: them? Oh, the Kyle Saka. Like... Um, I think he's just the best out of the three and he may not score the most goals, but everything good that we do goes through him. You know, the pocket of space with him and Odegaard is so important to how we score goals. And I just think his ceiling, I think Martinelli's ceiling is the highest um, in terms of like who could become like the best player in the world. It's probably Martinelli. But I think in terms of Arsenal and what we're trying to do, I just think Saka is so important because he's kind of the mascot, he's the face, mm. and I think losing him would really dent us badly. Especially if he ended up going, because if he does go, like if Martinelli goes, he'll go. He'll he may end up in Spain. So You'll have to it. watch him every week. Saka leaves. He's he's going to Man City or Liverpool. He's going to score
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So I'm like. We need to tie this guy down. We need to we need to surround him with players of his quality. Like he could play for Man City now, as far as I'm concerned. So he needs to have that level of player around him at some point. And so even though they love the club and they don't want to leave, good players are competitive and want to win things. And I would expect them to be no different than the players that have left us time and time again because we just weren't competitive enough.
0: Exactly. Honestly, I can't pick, man, because I think, as I said, Martinelli, I've kind of braced myself. Saka and Smith-Rowe are hey, I think being a Wenger baby, Smith-Rowe is everything. That's Wenger's DNA. Saka is something else. I'd have to flip a two-sided coin, man, if it's not with Martinelli. Yeah. I, I don't know which one. My last question, Watford versus Arsenal. What are you expecting from the game? What's your predictions for it? And, yeah, what's your score prediction?
1: We'll struggle to like break down the low block. I mean, True. it's just that simple. You know what I mean? Um. They'll be at home, but they're not stupid. You know, they're not going to go out and try to play. It's Roy Hodgson. They're going to sit in a low block and try to frustrate us into um, a nil nil or something and try to nick us on the break. Um, Ismail Isar is not going to be there. He has a hamstring issue. That's great. That's good news for us because they're, I think their attacking group is actually a lot better. Than people give them credit for um mm. dennis and and josh king Ooh, and Ismail saw they're good players and so i think them on the break could be difficult for us um but at the same time our biggest issue is if we get one or two chances can we put them away can we sustain mm. the pressure um it cannot be burnley it can't be like that where they sit in a low block the entire right. game and we get one chance and you skew it wide it really needs to be like we come at them hard and we get a goal early and we just kind of relax. And I think um, it's going to be a difficult game, but I can see us winning 1-0. I don't think we're going to get like a bunch of goals off of them, but um, I can see like a very like tight 1-0. We have like 20, 26 shots, but um, they're just going to sit in.
0: Yeah,
1: they're going to sit in and we're going to be out here like and watching Thomas Party shoot it into the stands. Like it's really (laughs) – it's gonna be that, you know. But it might I think be the we'll win.
0: goes in, man. You never know. It might be Partey's time um, on the weekend, man. They've got to go in. And this
1: this is why so. I look forward to like games against like Leicester or Villa. Like I'm looking forward to those games more. And it probably feels like, well, why would you look forward to those games? Those teams are better. Those teams are open at the back. They'll try yeah, to play yeah. us and they're dumb and they're not good defensively. I don't really like enjoy watching us have to try to break down a low block. It's not fun. One nil.
0: <laughs> that's okay. that's what I have for that. I mean, I'm going to go with 2-0. I just think, you know what, I'm scared of Emmanuel Dennis. I'm not really confident with us away from home. Like you said, Roy Hudson is, you know, what you'd expect from an English coach. He's never going to change and he's, he's got, had a good career. So I think that's what we're going to see. You know, Watford, Watford at Vicarage Road isn't always the plainest of sailings for us. So I just hope that we just keep doing what we're doing, really. So I'm going to go with 2-0. I mean, if we lose, we can't, as we said earlier, we can't win every game, but Considering it's the Manchester Derby, considering Spurs have Everton, Lampard's Everton, that they might do something. I need three points, man. I need three points, and respectfully, yeah. these are winnable games, or they should be. Scary. Well, what
1: What do you think about like Arteta coming out and saying that um, Adu has done a lot to try to create a partnership between us and Watford? What do you think? What do you even think that well, does, means?
0: I've missed that. What does he mean by partnership? Yeah, so this partnership.
1: Yeah, he said like a partnership, a close relationship, and. I mean, of course, they're, like, right next door. But I'm like, what does that mean? Like, because I think they could be a decent feeder club for us, if that's what you're saying.
0: They could. We're both in the Premier League. So it's like, what much can they do? They're they're not going to be in the Premier
1: League next season. Yeah,
0: I mean, they're gone. So, yeah, why not, really? I mean, it's next door. But it's like, what is that partnership? Are we going to share expertise? Are we going to share changing? Well, We'll we
1: send our players there on loan. Oh, yeah, we could do that. They give us players that are too good to play for them. I mean... So, when I look at like players that could come in and like do you know be kind of like a backup Dennis, attacker, I, I would take Dennis. I would take Sar. You know, so are you I bring think that partnership
0: if it's that? Bring that partnership. Yeah, I, I, like, a, I like I liked what team. I was.
1: I, we need more feeder clubs
0: like. We don't have any, so we don't have anyone you know. to so, send our players out on loan. Because I would like us to do the Chelsea thing where even where there are players that can't get work permits, they'll get housed in Holland or something and then they are ever sold on or whatever. My biggest pet peeve is for me, I feel since we've had to be financing and look after and looking after our pockets, we've been a bit reckless, we've had to tear up one contract too many. We're not really getting too much bang for our buck from our academy. Like reality is, considering he came from our academy. A million pounds for Maitland Nows wouldn't be the worst thing. But we all know in reality that's peanuts and it's just ultimately just being a bit more proactive. So, yeah, you're right, man. I feel that's the next step for us. But again, when you've got Edu who is probably still learning on the job like Arteta, he might not even know he doesn't know these things. So it, it, I don't know, but any, bring the partnership then fair play. You know, again, I'd have to see what sort of partnership it is and things like that, but bring it. Bring it, you know. I'm happy you mentioned that. Bring it, you know. Yeah. Let them know where they can find you. I mean, I'm about to put your YouTube account. Yeah. here, I mean, we can't. Im- I can't imagine no one doesn't know who you are. But let it them know. It just
1: feels like so many shows are up there. That looks insane. So yeah, you guys can just type "She Knows Arsenal" in the search bar in YouTube, and you will find me there. And um, on Twitter at Shino's Arsenal or Jacenio tweets whichever one I'm always on there I'm very active and yeah subscribe to the channel
0: Make sure you're subscribing. Obviously, people, this is on Twitch when it's on YouTube. And if you're listening to this replay, it'll be very simple. You literally just have to click on her name in the in the title when you'll be able to follow. And as you said, make sure you're following her on her, on her Twitter accounts, on her Twitches, if you have that and everything else. What was I going to say to you? What content have you got to come out today or whenever? When's, when, what can people look forward to?
1: Yeah, 9 p.m. UK time today, I'll be doing a um, match preview for the game, you know, just chatting about lineups and predictions and all that kind of stuff and um I really need us to win this game I'm getting nervous now just thinking about it like we need to win
0: I mean you <laughs> made you win. made me feel a bit more nervous about this game than I initially was about the whole point about sitting back a fig. so we we'll have to see but you said it there we need to win but it's been lovely having you thank you very much Any yeah thank you, you so much for having time, me no, no I appreciate you because <laughs> the turnaround was quite quick I asked you I know we haven't done this for a while and yeah i'm always here for a great talk and i think again the selfish point was i just wanted to ask you about the cronkey cronkey whole american thing really so i feel like i've learned a lot really you've been a massive addition to the channel so yeah people 9 p.m uk time subscribe anyways but you know where to head for now though we're out one love to everyone who's been involved but peace (laughs) See you D See you